BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall. California will close its main COVID-19 testing lab next month. The facility in Los Angeles County has faced scrutiny since it opened. CAP Radio's Scott Rod reports. Governor Gavin Newsom's administration hired global healthcare company Perkin Elmer to run the lab awarding a no-bid contract worth up to $1.7 billion. In a letter late last month obtained by Cap Radio, the state told the company it would terminate the contract within 45 days. The Newsom administration declined an interview request. In a statement, it said antigen tests and commercial labs offer more flexibility. Perkin Elmer also declined an interview request. In a statement, the company claimed the state terminated the contract based on the overall drop in cases and demand for testing. State inspectors identified significant deficiencies shortly after the lab opened. It also struggled to meet its 45-hour turnaround commitment during the Omicron surge this winter. It's unclear what will happen to the large facility, which the state spent $25 million to build out. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod. And in related news, a Southern California COVID-19 testing company has reached a more than $20 million settlement with the city of Los Angeles after it was accused of falsifying test results. L.A. City Attorney Mike Fuhrer says same-day health falsely advertised that COVID test results would come back in 24 hours. What we've alleged here is when they were unable to satisfy that requirement, that they falsified results to give people something in 24 hours, even if it wasn't the accurate reflection of whether they were positive or negative. As part of the settlement, Same Day Health will pay more than $5 million in refunds to consumers. In a statement, the company said they failed to meet the standards of their customers and have corrected the problems. Starting today, masks will again be required inside L.A. County's airports and on public transportation. KPCC senior health reporter Jackie Fortier has the details. Don't put those masks away just yet. Starting Friday, everyone over the age of two on public buses and trains and travelers inside all airports in L.A. County will be required to wear a face mask even if they are vaccinated. The new health order comes after a Florida federal judge threw out a mask mandate on public transportation and airplanes nationwide. But local jurisdictions can set their own guidelines, said L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer. 
While it would be much preferable to have, as CDC had previously mandated, a requirement that covers the entire country, until the legal challenges are addressed, it's important that local jurisdictions take direction from the CDC on what measures are needed to protect the public health. Ferrer said the mandate will be reassessed when L.A. County's transmission rate drops to moderate or when the CDC says masking for passengers is no longer needed. COVID numbers are rising in L.A., with more than 2,000 new cases reported Thursday. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. A new poll finds that 80% of Gen Z youth in California have experienced anxiety, stress, or feelings of being overwhelmed as a result of learning about climate change. KQED's Anais Ofelia Lino reports. Young adult Californians worry more than older generations about climate change. That's according to a new poll from insurance company Blue Shield. But the vast majority are also engaged in climate activism and conversations about these issues. Hannah Estrada worries about climate change, but she puts her energy into organizing. When we get on Zoom calls and there's young people organizing from different parts of the Bay Area or the country, there's hope in that. There's a lot of hope and optimism when you come together with community. Estrada is with Oakland's Youth Versus the Apocalypse, a climate justice organization. She is organizing a march in San Francisco's UN Plaza for Earth Day. For the California Report, I'm Anais Ophelia Lino. California could sanction places to do illegal drugs under the watchful gaze of a healthcare worker. The so-called safe consumption sites are an effort to save lives as overdoses skyrocket across the country. KQED health correspondent Leslie McClurg explains. When Gary McCoy was 18 years old, he overdosed on heroin alone in a gas station bathroom. I immediately went back to my dealer's house from the hospital and bought everything that she had because it was the best heroin I had ever done. At the time, he was grappling with his sexuality in a conservative town in Virginia. 
I wasn't quite in the closet, but I wasn't really open about the fact that I was gay. He spent the next decade high, homeless, and near the brink. At 24, McCoy learned he was HIV positive. He was staying in a cheap hotel in San Francisco. It was Christmas Eve. I weighed 110 pounds. I had psoriasis all over my body, injecting every day, couch surfing when I could, trading sex for drugs or a place to sleep. When he didn't have anywhere else to go, he'd get high inside the bathroom stall at a public library. And so I think if I had a place to go to where I could safely use, where people could see that I needed medical assistance, I think it would have avoided a lot of trauma, for sure. Just last year, more than 10,000 people in California died of an overdose, which is why state lawmakers are debating whether to sanction safe consumption or safe injection sites. These facilities where people bring their own drugs look kind of like a hair salon with lots of mirrors and sterile supplies. People are going to a booth. There's somebody there who is helping them. Alex Crowell is an epidemiologist for the nonprofit research group RTI International. He's studied sites in more than a dozen countries. And then you have a second room where people can chill out, as they say, like a chill-out room or a place where they can be after they have used drugs. These facilities range from everything from converted RVs to warehouses, always stocked with naloxone to reverse overdoses. There have been probably tens of millions of injections people have done in these sites uh, over the last 35 years, and no one's ever died of an overdose at one of these sites. You can call it what you want to call it. It's an open drug scene. Anne-Marie Schubert is the district attorney in Sacramento County. The fact that we're considering allowing our government to essentially aid and abet the illicit use of drugs that are killing our citizens, I find shocking. Schubert says providing a haven for drug use sends the message they are safe. She's pushing for something else. We need to get people to the point where they get treatment, even if they don't want it. It doesn't mean you throw them in jail, but you've got to have court-order treatment. She says current law does not allow judges to order nearly enough people to get help. The last time safe consumption was on the table in California, a bill made it all the way to Governor Jerry Brown's desk in 2018. He vetoed it. Now another Democrat, Senator Scott Weiner, is trying again. So what we want to do is for people who are already using that instead of having them use on the sidewalk when your kid is walking by, to give them a place where they can go inside. So if they do overdose, they don't die so that they can have a clean needle and not get hepatitis or HIV. Wiener's bill would pilot sites in San Francisco, Oakland, and Los Angeles. It has passed the Senate. Now it's in the state assembly. A recent cost-benefit analysis done in San Francisco shows that every dollar the city spends on safe consumption would save $2.33. Our hospitals, our emergency rooms, our fire department, our ambulances are all spending huge resources on people who are using on our streets. Because Wiener says they overdose and end up in jail. Gary McCoy was one of those frequent flyers. Now that he's in recovery, he's a huge advocate for safe consumption sites. I don't know if I would have stopped using sooner, but I certainly would have been in in much better hands. McCoy finally limped into treatment when his drug dealer nudged him to go. Today, when he strolls through San Francisco, he always chats with people getting high on the streets. He lets them know there's help available. 
That's the real service outreach workers at safe consumption sites could provide. For the California Report, I'm Leslie McClurg. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. This week, a visit to a 38-acre farm in San Mateo County that's being returned to the indigenous people whose ancestors once lived there. The California Report's Izzy Bloom introduces us to some of the women leading the effort. The only thing Kata Gomes was told about her heritage while growing up in San Jose was that she's a 12th-generation Californian. But she'd always had a strong intuition that there was more to the story. And one of my younger cousins asked me if I ever heard my mother and my grandmother speak of our indigenous roots, and I said, never. But I think it was a form of protection. Four years ago, Kata's cousin unearthed records from the Spanish missions, revealing their family's lineage to the Rametush. They're one of the tribes the Spanish invaders grouped together as the Ohlone. And they're the original indigenous people of the San Francisco Peninsula. For over 100 years, Kata says, people believed the Rametush were extinct. So we were really fortunate to be able to retrieve that information from the mission records. Because our family, we were the survivors. 80% of the indigenous people who went through the mission system in California did not survive. Now, Kata is working to revitalize the Rametush language. She's singing Te Kwe Ana Oea, which means honoring Mother Earth. And next month, that'll become the name of this farm 40 miles west of San Jose. It's land where the Rametush once lived and thrived. Women of color from a nonprofit called Deep Medicine Circle are working with Kata to return the land to her and her family, to transform it into a center for learning about indigenous culture and a working organic farm. They'll cultivate the original medicinal plants that indigenous people used here, like elderberry and stinging nettle. We had a beautiful nettle soup very recently. You can make pesto with them. You can take nettles regularly so you'll have less hay fever. That's Sage Lapina. She's an ethnobotanist from the Namtapan Wintu tribe near the Trinity River. And she's helping Deep Medicine Circle learn about the native plants on this land. The roots of our culture are within the roots of the plants. I'm on stolen land. The California Report's Izzy Bloom. You can find out how the musician behind this song is helping make the farm a place of healing, not just for indigenous people, but for healthcare workers, on this week's California Report Half Hour magazine. Tune in on your public radio station or on the magazine's podcast. And that's the California Report for Friday, April 22nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tovin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. 
in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2023 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Thanks.